Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Congressman Madison Cawthorn thought a career in politics would have come later on in his lifetime. But at the age of 24, he saw the country moving in a different direction than the one he wanted, and he decided to run for office. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Congressman Madison Cawthorn recalls the moment he wanted to get involved in politics and what it's like to be one of the youngest members of Congress. Congressman, how are you? I'm doing great, Carlos. Good morning. Good morning. How does it feel to be called congressman now? Are you used to it? It's been a couple weeks and probably people started it a couple months ago. You know what? I am still not used to it whatsoever. I mean, I, I hear it. And I look over my shoulder for my old boss. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a weird feeling. Now, were you a kid who grew up always thinking you were going to be in politics or did this kind of happen accidentally? You know what? I would say that I was always very involved in politics. You know, in my household, it was always talked about as a uh, kind of a, a thing of service. And so, you know, I, I wanted to join the Marine Corps. And after that, you know, come home, raise a family, start a business, all those good things. And uh, I thought about, you know, politics in the long term, like when I was 50, 60 years old. But, uh, you know, happening this fast is by no means in the plan. Interesting. And when you look back at why you won, uh, kind of a fun case study, because, you know, you upset, you know, there was a Republican primary, you won that, you won against an older gentleman. I was watching your debates with Mo Davis. That was an interesting set of uh, uh, debates in the general election. Why do you think you won? Like, do the analysis yourself, play political analyst. Why do you think you won in the end? You know what? I think it comes down to two very simple facts. One, uh, we outworked our opponents in both cases, whether it was in the Republican primary or if it was in the general election. Uh, we ran our campaign in a very different style than most people do. Uh, so my campaign manager, myself, my consultant, we came up with a very unique plan, which was very similar to the movie Moneyball. Uh, and we just kind of ran the whole thing uh, like by the numbers. And so, you know, instead of just trying to say, okay, well, we're going to get as many votes out of this county as we can. We're going to get as many votes out of this county as we can. You know, we said, no, no, I don't want to do that. I want to make sure we know I I need 434 votes out of this specific precinct. 
And so that would enable us to be able to go into a neighborhood and say, wow, that means we need to get 17 votes in this neighborhood of 300 homes. And so then we'd find a very motivated supporter within that community and say, hey, do you have 17 neighbors who you think would vote for me? And then, they, you know, that's a very easy number for somebody to get because, you know, if you go out and tell your volunteers, I need you all to give me 393,000 votes for me to win this election. You know, they'll look at you dumbfounded. I mean, even I would. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how to do that. Uh, but if you tell me to go get 17 votes, then I, I know 17 people. And so that is what I would say was the best because then we could really utilize our volunteers. And so that uh, system takes a lot of grunt work to build out. Getting the volunteers takes a lot of grunt work, a lot of misogyny to build out. Uh, so those, that, that, that hard work aspect, I think, is a major component of it. But then I would say, you know, just growing up in those mountains, being raised in those mountains, uh, knowing exactly what the people of Western North Carolina believe and what they want, you know, that was the best advantage I could possibly have. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to be a representative of the people. And so I got to speak exactly to what they believe in because, you know, it's what I believe in. Now, did you have any of those House of Cards moments? Did you have any uh, heart palpitations when things were going left or they weren't going the way you wanted to, whether you know, President Trump was coming out against you or your former boss was coming out against you? Like, were there any moments where you were like, doggone it, I may not actually win this thing? Uh, you know what? I will tell you that from the get-go, I had a, a, a surreal amount of confidence and peace with the whole thing. Yeah, you know, as soon as we declared, we knew we were going to win. Uh, but, you know, it was just a matter of how do we get there. Uh, and I know that sounds like a very bold thing to say. And whereas the overwhelming majority of people in my life and who were around me, you know, just said, oh, well, I'm glad you're doing it. It's going to be a great learning experience. You know, they didn't really expect much to come of it. Uh, but, you know, once we built out our plan and, you know, that, that really just came by nature of spending three days, you know, again, I consulted my campaign manager myself, just sitting down and figuring out how we're going to do this. Uh, we knew by then we could work backwards from when each election would happen, whether it was a primary or it was the general election. And then so that way, you know, you can cut it down into baby steps. Like, okay, if we can gain, if we can confirm that we have 300 votes every single day, then that means we're going to win this election. And so, they, you know, even when Donald, specifically when Donald Trump came out against me, um, I, we had been preparing for a significant amount of time for that to happen. Uh, I knew I would win at that point. Interesting, meaning that you knew that the moment that he came out against you was a sign that you were winning and that the other side was nervous? Or or what do you mean when you say that? Uh, yes, that is correct. So definitely realize that they must have ran some polls. They must be seeing the same numbers that we're seeing. And also, you know, I, I the people of Western North Carolina, although they love Donald Trump uh, and they love my former boss, Mark Meadows, they don't like being told what to do. Uh, they're very rugged. They're very individualistic. They're people who you know have a great sense of self. And we you know, it, it almost feels as if someone's trying to come in and, and install a puppet for themselves. And uh, and so we don't like when outsiders come in and endorse our, our district. Hey, what's the biggest lesson you've learned about politics so far? Because I'm definitely one of those people who love not only studying something, but then actually getting to do it. Like what is what would surprise young Madison the most if you went back and talked to that you know kid who used to be a staff assistant to Mark Meadows? What would surprise him the most that you've learned now that you're a sworn in member of Congress? The biggest thing is I would say how much gridlock and I would say uh, how deep really the the establishment uh, runs here in Washington, D.C., you know, you expect almost everybody who's up here. And, you know, I feel honored because, you know, I'm 25 years old. So 
being surrounded by all of the majority of them, my Republican colleagues, but people I would look up to in any other sense in life who I'd be honored to have as a mentor. Now they're my peers. You know, it's incredible for me. I get to learn from, you know, 209 Republicans at all times. I've got people I can lean on and ask questions to. You know, our leadership has been extraordinarily helpful to me. I think Kevin McCarthy is doing a great job, but also, you know, the rank and file members have been doing a great job. But I have been surprised by how many people come up here and they seem to just kind of come up as true patriots, people who want to do what's right for their district, people who want to make a difference and get rid of the gridlock in Washington. Uh, And I believe the reason why they come up here and then they kind of turn into just establishment pawns uh, is because, you know, most people who come here, they're a big fish in a little pond back where they come from. But then when they come to Washington, D.C., you know, I feel like they believe like I do, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get rid of the swamp. I'm going to make them make Washington work for the people again. But then when they start kind of getting in the fray of it, you know, it's kind of like a knife fight in a phone booth. Uh, they get inside that phone booth and they start going into battle for, for their district. And they realize, wow, there are people here who are a lot better than me. I, I'm actually not making that much of a difference. I believe they get complacent and they get almost lazy uh, and they just start following along with leadership, whichever way they, they lead. Fortunately, with the Republicans right now, uh, with the leadership we have installed, it is going in a great direction. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. But I can see that if you had someone who was uh, more malevolent than you know Kevin McCarthy is, uh, it could be a problem here in Washington. Who do you admire, uh, uh, Congressman, who, whether in politics or not, who's someone who truly gets your heart beating or gets your head beating and you're like, I'd like to talk to that person or that person's impressive. Who's on that list for you? <sighs> well, a big one for me is Trey Gowdy. I think he's an incredible, he's a former congressman out of South Carolina. Uh, I always say he speaks in a very Lacedaemonian way. And, you know, Lacedaemonian is the ancient word that the Greeks would have used to describe the Spartans. And, you know, you always hear these great lines the Spartans use, you know, the, when they say, lay down your weapons, oh, come and take it. Uh, but it's, it's these like zingy one-liners uh, that you would almost expect out of a cowboy movie. Uh, and so, you know, but I, I think that Trey Gowdy is an incredible person who has a lot of stoicism. Uh, it seemed, it's always seemed like the adult in the room when he speaks. So really look up to him. Uh, also really look up to Joe Rogan. You know, I think that he does a great job of conducting conversations in a way that you get to really hear the other side out. Yeah, a big reason, I'll tell you, Carlos, the big reason I like smoking cigars, it's one of my favorite pastimes, is because regardless of who you're sitting down with, they could be a liberal, they could be someone who comes from a completely different background from you, you know, somebody raised in Ethiopia. Um, but if you have, both are having to sit down to smoke a cigar, uh, then that means that you are committing to at least a 40-minute long conversation because that's about how long it takes. And I have found that, you know, on the top line, you can start talking to somebody and say, oh, wow, we, we don't agree politically or we have significantly different backgrounds. But if you can sit down and have a real long-term conversation like Joe Rogan does on his podcast with people, I think we normally find that we agree on the overwhelming amount of issues in, in life, in America, uh, in most of the world, on probably 80% of the issues. And we're all trying to have a happier life, to, to leave something behind that's better than what we found. Uh, and trying to be a better person. And I think that's the overwhelming majority of people. And so I, I do really appreciate watching Joe Rogan because you get to watch people like Bernie Sanders or Tulsi Gabbard go on his show. People who I would normally, you know, if I was just, you know, had a two-minute conversation with them in an elevator, say, oh, we don't agree politically. And then that's where it normally splits ways. And that's a big problem I think we're having in our country is people have forgotten how to have conversations. And so uh, uh, Joe Rogan's a guy I look up to because of that. 
uh, really two interesting choices. Um, talk to me about the other side, if you will. Uh, any Democrats who you've built early friendships with? I know it's early. I know you've only been there a couple weeks. But anyone unexpected reach out or any early chemistry with someone on the other side of the aisle? Uh, you know what? I, I'm very happy to work with everybody on the other side of the aisle. You know, they're in the majority. They've got the power. So if we want to actually help people uh, in this Congress and help the American people, then we've got to work together. So I'm willing to forsake partisanship. Uh, but, yeah, I think the best way to do that is to really try and, you know, stop looking at people with D's and R's and just, you know, say, hey, you're, you're an American. I'm an American. We've got let's uh, let's figure out where we can work together. And so, you know, somebody I've become friends with is uh, there's a congressman named Kai out of Hawaii. He's an incredible guy. Got to meet his family. Uh, great, great people. There's uh, the, the first African-American openly gay person to actually be elected to Congress, uh, a gentleman named Richie out of New York. He's incredible, very kind, very, uh, very gracious anytime you spend time with him. So those are probably two people I've gotten to know the best so far, but definitely looking to build better relationships with my Democratic colleagues. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
What about AOC, who's another young member of Congress and prior, I think, to you getting elected? I think she was the youngest member of Congress, or at least the youngest woman uh, in Congress. Have you guys gotten to know each other yet? Have you guys had a chance for a real conversation? Uh, we have not, no. So uh, a lot of the Democratic Congress people are, are work, have been working remotely and voting by proxies because of the, uh, the coronavirus. And many of them come from much more urban areas than I do. And so, you know, that I, I can I can respect that. And I understand that. But so I've not gotten to spend any time with Congresswoman uh, Ocasio-Cortez yet. Um, I, I hear she's probably one of the nicest and easiest to get along with people here in Congress. I, I would say, you know, she's somebody that, you know, is an inspiration to most young Americans. You know, she got involved in Congress, I think, when she was 29. And so it's it's because there's almost a stigma that you can't be involved in politics when you're in your 20s. And so she definitely kind of broke that paradigm. And that was an inspiration for me to run for Congress myself. Although her and I disagree on practically almost every single issue. Uh, but, you know, I have not met her yet. I'm curious if there's some kind of plaque or an, a handing off of award ceremony for the uh, youngest member of Congress. But I haven't found that yet. <laughs> I love it. Hey, talk to me a little bit about what happened uh, uh, on, on January the 6th, the attack on the Capitol. You spoke uh, 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 at the Stop the Steal rally uh, in front uh Obviously, later on, there was violence, there was death. Do you regret any of the things that you that you said during that time? You know, I don't regret it, actually, Carlos. Uh, obviously, I think what happened on January 6th was despicable. I thought it was uh, conducted by weak-minded men and women who were unable to check their worst impulses and had very little self-control. So completely condemn it. But uh, when I did go speak at that rally, you know, I was specifically trying to get across to the people in that crowd. And I think I did to the overwhelming majority of them that, hey, I am in Congress. I'm going down to the Capitol right now to speak on your behalf. Uh, you know, I wasn't down there saying that there was uh, fraudulent systems with the, within the Dominion voting machines or there were U-Haul trucks being backed up with, with tons of ballots and then they were fraudulently marked because I couldn't personally prove that, Carlos. Uh, and so, you know, I definitely didn't try and feed into that narrative. But, you know, I do believe that specifically in Wisconsin, which was the, the state that I personally debated upon, uh, there were some some constitutional infractions about the way they carry out their elections. So when I went down to the Stop the Steel rally, I was explaining to the people there, hey, I am going down to Congress to represent you. You know, I feel like a lot of frustration from Americans comes from when they don't feel like they're being represented in politics. And so, uh, if anything, I hope that my words were... Uh, brought peace into the hearts of more people than, than violence. And so would you do it differently though? And I don't, I don't mean this as a gotcha, but I do mean this as, as a reflective moment, given what we saw and given, I know that you had in North Carolina, there a friend of yours was attacked uh, uh, in a political setting. So I know, you know, that real things can happen. Is there any part of you that would go back though and do it differently? If you had to do it all over again, would you, would you not have attended? Would you've recommended that that the rally not happen? Like, how do you, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, how do you think about how you would approach a moment like that again in the future? Well, you know, one, I mean, you know that uh, President Donald Trump said, you know, I want you to peaceably and patriotically protest. So, you know, that that's, that, that's good on his part. But if I could go back, I probably, and I had an opportunity to speak with the president, which I did not. Uh, I would have asked that he did not send or tell the crowd to go down to the Capitol. You know, I, I think that that just put everything in, in a dangerous setting 
Uh, there's, there were very few. The, the capital complex is so large, and it's just hard to keep that entire area covered, but with only 1,800 uniformed officers in the Capitol Police. And so when he told, when President Trump told the uh, the protesters to go down to the Capitol, I thought that was fraught with uh, with with danger in it, in it of itself. I don't think he was inciting violence by that, but I do think that it it led to a dangerous situation. Uh, but if I could go back, I wouldn't have changed any of the words that I did say, but I probably would have added some lines. Uh, probably would have encouraged more peace. And, and obviously, if I had a crystal ball and knew what was going to happen, you know, there's many things I would have changed. But uh, unfortunately, you know, with the with the benefit of hindsight, uh, there's so many ways that I thought, oh, wow, I could have prevented violence. I could have prevented death. Um, but you know what? You, you just don't know what you don't know. Congressman, what did your parents do? What what kind of work uh, have they done? What, what were they up to when you were growing up? Uh, so both of my parents, they worked in the financial sector. So my father is a uh, has been a financial advisor my entire life. Uh, he's done a great job providing uh, meals and putting food on our table. But he's also done a great job of helping you know normal Americans get to and through retirement, uh, you know, with dignity. You know, it's always been so touching seeing you know my parents' clients when they pass away, their their children coming and you know hugging my dad's neck at the funeral and saying thank you so much for. Uh, and enabling them to live the life they wanted to live, you know, at, at the end of their life. And so that's what my dad always did. My mother, she actually uh, left the workforce when I was born and she was a stay at home mom. I was homeschooled all the way through, uh, was very, I, I really appreciate that version of education. I was classically educated. So, you know, that was very similar to how our founders were brought up. And so I think that's why I probably share a lot of the same beliefs and uh, principles that they have. Interesting. Do you, uh, how, what's the relationship like now? Because they probably didn't expect, or maybe they did, that their 25-year-old son was going to become a member of Congress. Like, do they treat you differently now? Has that changed the family dynamic in any meaningful way? Now that, you know, you've got a staff, you're one of 435 members of the House. You know what, that's actually something we talk about pretty often. Uh, we, we don't treat each other differently at all. Um, my, my brother and I are still extremely close. My mother and I, my mom's probably my, the person who's influenced my life the absolute most. So I'm definitely a mama's boy. So our relationship is still very, very close. And so the same with my dad. Uh, I definitely lean on them for advice, just kind of the common sense, normal American wisdom that people have. Because, you know, getting here in Washington, D.C., you can get so caught up uh, in the rat race and hearing what pundits are saying that you almost forget the common sense that you get from your district. Uh, but I would say that they definitely were surprised when I said I was going to run. But as soon as I said that I was planning on running, they were fully committed. They were fully in. I would say my dad was my best volunteer I've ever had. Uh, he would he would work all day, you know, nine to four until the market closed. And then he'd stay out until 9 p.m. putting signs out or speaking for me at a GOP event that I couldn't make it to. So it was great. But, no, they don't treat me any differently. I, I don't really believe I act any differently. We always actually talk about how it's so interesting that, you know, we'll be sitting there together watching myself on the news, but then, you know, we're still just sitting there cutting up like we normally do. And so it's a, it, it's a fun, fun life, but it is most fun. I would say with my nieces, uh, because they'll, they'll always, when I, they'll see me, they'll give me a big hug and they'll say, uncle Maddie, why aren't you on the TV? And so it's uh, it's, it's really funny. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So what was the moment that actually made you run? Because, again, very unusual for a 24-year-old to go for it, go for it against probably better-known people. Like, what was that moment? Had you been thinking about it for two years? Did something happen? Was there a conversation? Like, what was the moment that actually made you say, yep, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring? Oh, Carlos, that's a great question. So I actually, I would attribute a lot of it to my now wife, my fiancé at the time. Uh, we still have our big ceremony coming up. Uh, really looking forward to that. Um, but her congratulations. Said, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait. Uh, so, but uh, her and I were just having a conversation, you know, just like a normal engaged couple would about, hey, you know, uh, how many kids do you want to have? You know, just kind of the family planning aspect of the whole thing. And when I started taking account of the world, I said, wow, is this really a culture I want to raise my children in? And, and bear in mind, Carlos, this is in 2019. Everything was peachy. Uh, and I said, no, you know, I feel like our country headed in the wrong direction. You know, I wish I could do something about it. And then Congressman Mark Meadows uh, very abruptly on December 19th announced that he was not going to be running for Congress or for re-election. And so I took a, a brief moment to pray about it. I was speaking at an event in San Diego. Uh, we had about it was only 19 hours left to make it to the deadline to actually file to run for Congress. So, it was, you know, you saw one of my assistants just running with me with a bunch of suitcases stacked on my lap through the Atlanta airport at the very end. Uh, and then so we finally made it to Raleigh, signed up for Congress. Uh, but the reason I ran is because, you know, I, I think that the conservative message is one that can connect with a lot of people, specifically people of my generation. It, it's it's one of limited government, you know, getting the uh, three letter agency out of your life, less taxes, letting you live your life on your own terms. Um, but I feel like we just haven't had the right messengers. And so, you know, I wanted to go into politics to try and message what Republicans actually believe to a, a generation that, that seems deceived about what Republicans believe. And, and, and so at, go ahead, Carlos. No, no, I'm sorry. You please you go. Oh yeah. So, uh, so as we were going through this and starting to run for Congress, 
you know, I started realizing, wow, you know, this is actually a message that's getting out. People are starting to understand this. They're starting to, to really identify with it. But then, you know, 2020 happened and everything started going south. Um, and I am certainly not the first congressman from my district, certainly will not be the last. Uh, but as of right now, I am the one person in history who can represent the 11th district of North Carolina. And, you know, there's a great quote I always harken back to. Uh, if there has to be trouble, let it please be in my lifetime so my children may live in peace. And I, I hope that's what's going on now that I can hand off a better country than the one I found. If, if, Congressman, if someone were to push you and say, I, I like the vision, I like that desire for peace, I like that desire for public service, but the truth is Congressman Cawthorn was, was uh, fortunate to grow up in a, in a relatively solid, strong household, good financial situation, and so when he and others say, I get the three-letter words, uh, three-letter agencies out of your life, that's coming from a position of privilege. That's coming from a position of the top 10%, the top 20%, whereas many other people may need more help. They may need more help on health care. They may need more help on education. They may need more help in any of a number of ways. How do you hear that? Is, is there a possibility that, that because of your privileged upbringing that you may not have a full appreciation for the need for, uh, uh, for true government help and true government participation? Well, Carlos, it's a very nuanced question. I actually really appreciate you asking that. Uh, so most Republicans kind of I feel like push back on the idea of privilege or having a privilege upbringing. But, you know, I would say I had a charmed childhood. You know, we, we grew up in the upper middle class. My life, I knew very little struggle in my life uh, until my, actually my car accident happened. And, and I remember the first time I left the hospital, it was after about being a year of being in rehab and ICU and all the various things that I went through. Um, and, you know, I was over six feet tall when I, before my car accident, I was a, I was playing, I was a middle linebacker in high school. Um, I was, I felt like I had a presence when I walked into a crowd, you know, people, people would part ways, you know, I would notice a girl checking me out every now and then I made me feel good. I felt good about myself. Um, but then when I first left that hospital, I went to a Braves game in Atlanta with my older brother. Uh, and I remember I was rolling through that crowd and I felt completely invisible. I felt completely disenfranchised, like, like, uh, society had left me behind. And at that moment I realized that, you know, not everybody has the exact same perspective. Not everybody has this exact same upbringing or the exact same uh, privileged and fortunate life that I had. And so that has enabled me to have a lot more empathy. And so I would say because of what happened to me, uh, the hardships that I went through, it has created an empathetic level of, in my life that I'm willing to put myself in somebody else's shoes. And Carlos, to that point, I can absolutely say that there are people who do need more assistance. And now this is a big reason why I'm such a strong proponent for uh, Tim Scott's opportunity zones uh, going in. Cause there are areas in our, in our world that, you know, you could, it was, whether it was because of redlining or poor financial decisions uh, in the past by city planners, there are areas that have been financially depressed for a very long time. And that has led to less opportunities for those communities. And I absolutely think that the best way we can help those communities is to lower regulation, lower taxes, so we can encourage more investment in those areas. And, and if folks in those neighborhoods sat with you, Congressman Cawthorn, and they said, you know what, I really appreciate your openness. I appreciate your thoughtfulness. I hear you as to how lower regulation may help with A, B, and C. But I think an even bigger impact would be if we did D, E, and F. Do you think you would be intellectually and emotionally open to different ideas that may cut against the kind of more conservative, uh, classic uh, recommendations? 
Oh, I absolutely would be open to it. Yeah, I think, again, you know, cars, this car comes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. I, I feel like we've forgotten to how, how to have conversations in this country. And so something I definitely want to embody and, and be an example on is that uh, I'm a conservative, of, uh, very strong principles on the Constitution, uh, limited government involvement in our communities. Uh, but I am willing to sit down and have a conversation with someone who's much more liberal because I want the best ideas to win out. And, you know, you can see all throughout history that when there's a divided house and a divided Senate, you see the, the stock market does the best. And so when I hear that, it makes in your eyes, as I said, I came from a financial family. So that's why I always harken back to that. Uh, but when I when, that makes me believe that, you know, most of what we believe normally when there's a little give and take from both sides, we have the best outcomes. And so you know, I, I believe there is some level of uh, help that the government can provide to people who are in difficult situations. You know, people like uh, myself, I, I didn't personally need any help from the government because I had insurance and, you know, had an incredible upbringing. Uh, but, you know, let's say that there was somebody who was from one of these neighborhoods or communities you were talking about who's been financially depressed for so long and had le lesser opportunities, who went through a terrible accident like I did. You know, I believe that there needs to be some kind of assistance the government can provide for that or somebody who's born with pre-existing conditions. I think some kind of assistance the government can provide for that. So I think I would be open to listening to different viewpoints. Uh, Congressman Cawthorn, if we were doing the Constitutional Convention again, I often say that, you know, if we were to freshly think about America's next chapter, America 2.0, so not just the last 250 years, but the next 250 years. And if we were to gather people together, call it in Philadelphia, have a new constitutional convention, try to reset America, maybe instead of Washington, Jefferson, Hamilton, maybe the founders would sound like Gladwell and Cawthorn and Ocasio-Cortez uh, and uh, Lakshmi and others. What would be one or two big ideas that you'd want to put on the table as you look again, not backwards, but you look forwards at the next 250 years and what America can be? What would you want to put on the table? What would get you excited to have as part of the next constitution? Carlos, I think this is probably one of the coolest questions I've ever been asked. So I, I love this. But uh, if I really sit down and think about it, the thing that really lights my fire and gets me up in the morning and uh, makes me want to gain more influence here in Washington is a, a very simple principle that I think has a lot of wisdom to it. You know, uh, back in the 1900s, we actually passed a constitutional amendment that limited the president to two terms. And I think that since then, we've seen the wisdom in, you know, having a, a nice, peaceful transition of power every four or every eight years. And because of that, you know, I think that we could see the exact same thing happening inside of Congress and in the Senate. I think term limits are extremely crucial. Uh, I believe that, you know, whether it's Mitch McConnell, who's been in, in politics for, I believe, 37 years, or Nancy Pelosi, who's been in politics for longer than I've been alive, uh, I think that on both sides of the aisle, you see these entrenched politicians, this entrenched political class who has a very narrow viewpoint of how the world should act. And because of that, you know, you don't you see very little change happening in our government. And so I think that if we could get term limits on Congress, we could get more fresh faces, more fresh ideas. And I'm not just saying younger people. I, I want a diverse representation inside of Congress in the halls of the, in the uh, House and the Senate. Uh, I think that we would see the country in a much better place right now than we do see it where we're at. I love it. I'm going to do a quick rapid fire with you, if you don't mind. You mind if we do some Let's go. rapid fire? All right. Your favorite movie? Uh, favorite movie. That's it. Probably Gladiator with Russell Crowe. That's a great one. You know, when he raises his arms and looks around and says, are you not entertained? I mean, that, that just lights my fire. Love that. Uh, your favorite TV show? Your favorite Ben show? 
Favorite TV show? Oh, that's a really tough one. It's got to be Game of Thrones, except this last season was trash. So probably, uh, probably The Mandalorian right now. All right. So in Game of Thrones, who's your character? Who's your who's your favorite character in Game of Thrones? Oh, uh, you know, he is the prince. He's actually the same uh, actor who plays the Mandalorian in in the, the Star Wars show. Um, but gosh, I forgot his name. But he's a prince from the the area of Sunspear. But I love him because you know he's got a very libertarian way of going through life. He doesn't really care if you're gay. He doesn't care what your religion is. He just says, you know, if you love freedom like I do, you can be you can be with me. And he's a heck of a fighter. So he's got to be my favorite. Your favorite athlete of all time. Ooh, um, that is a great question. You know, as of right now, if it had to be someone currently in sports and alive, it'd probably be uh, Conor McGregor. I think he's a great entertainer. You know, he's very similar to Russell Crowe. And I see him raising his arms saying, are you not entertained? And his Irish accent is great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the walk, too. Um, uh, the, the one deal, the one piece of legislation that you want to work on with Biden you know, I think somewhere where we can come together and actually get something passed is infrastructure reform. You know, I think that creating better infrastructure would significantly help bring businesses that we've lost because of uh, NAFTA uh, overseas. I think we could bring more manufacturing jobs and textile jobs back to Western North Carolina, uh, back to these uh, communities that we've been talking about earlier. We've been uh, economically depressed for so long. But I think the best way to do that is to make sure that we have uh, very easy access to high, high-speed Wi-Fi, high-speed broadband access. Uh, we have the best roads you can possibly imagine, the best mass transit you can possibly imagine. And I, even with my conservative viewpoint and ideology, I think that we can have strategic public investment in areas of, uh, that help everybody, regardless of your race, regardless of your political party, helps rural people and helps people in the city. Best advice you've gotten on marriage? Oh, uh, don't let the sun set on your anger. You know, uh, have the conversation. And, uh, you know, I've got to hand it to my, to my wife. Uh, she is extremely great at conflict resolution. It's something I struggle with myself. And so, you know, I, I think that she does a great job of, you know, making sure that we're, we're in a good place before we go to sleep. And uh, that, that way you wake up with soft hearts. Where are we going to see you in 10 years? Well, uh, if I haven't gotten term limits passed, you'll probably still see me sitting behind this desk. Uh, that's, uh, I'm, I'm staying until I get term limits on, uh, passed. I'll probably take a constitutional amendment and I'll probably have to grandfather members of Congress in, but uh, hopefully I'm already back home raising a family in North Carolina. And, and your karaoke song. Oh, my karaoke song. It's whatever my wife wants to sing. She loves karaoke. I, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, you know what? You're, uh, spoken like a good husband. You know who you, if you met Congresswoman Karen Bass yet from uh, California? I have not gotten to meet Karen Bass yet. You, you should meet her. She's an exceptional person, an exceptional human being. Something, And she mentioned you. She, the first time I ever heard about you, I heard about you from her. And it was last summer. You would enjoy her. Very smart. Very thoughtful. Um, uh, if I can be helpful, you don't need me for it. But you would enjoy. You would enjoy getting to know her. Well, fantastic advice, calls. I will uh, look her up on the directory before I fly out today. Yeah, please do. Please do. And good luck in this new Congress. I hope that we can get to a uh, to a very different place uh, as a country. I, I'm uh, I'm an, I'm a native optimist. Um, but I feel like we will need uh, you and others to do it. And I think there is something um, valuable uh, about having a new generation of leadership. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that you and other younger leaders will bring fresh eyes to everything from healthcare to tech to love 
to race relations, to what have you. I hope you guys will be bold. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for that. And, you know, that's exactly what I want to do. I, I don't want to have just just a bigger tent party, which I do want to have. Everybody's welcome here in, in this conservative movement. But we need to be bolder. I think so long Republicans have just been the party of no. Uh, but I think that, you know, our, our conservative ideology can really lead on things like, you know, environmental protections. I feel like I'm called to be a steward of the earth. Uh, so because of that, you know, I want proper forest management, making sure that we can limit wildfires, making sure we can limit CO2 emissions with uh, new advancements in the way we use fossil fuels or solar energy. Uh, and so I'm hoping that we can work with the Biden and Harris administration. I wish them nothing but the best. Uh, and I hope that we can make the country a better place. Uh, uh, Congressman, I'm going to uh, I'm going to look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, be very safe. And, uh, and thank you for being generous with your time. I appreciate it. Great. Have a great day, Carlos. Thank you, brother. Okay, be well. Man, that was fantastic. You know, I'm glad you did it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends to find us on the iHeart Podcast app and Apple Podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.